Welcome to Shit Your Teenagers Won't Tell You, a podcast about everything you need to know about teens. I'm Kathy. And I'm Meredith. And we speak teenager. Uh, did we also mention that we're best friends? We've worked as admission officers, prep school administrators, and most importantly, have coached thousands of teens. In other words, we have seen it all. So join us every week as we give you the lowdown on all the shit your teenager isn't telling you. Because trust us, there's a lot of it. And if you don't know what to do with the teenagers in your life, don't worry. We've got your back. Of our lovely podcast. How are you, Kathy? I'm dancing. You're dancing? Mm-hmm. You're dance. chair dancing? I love chair dancing. Mm-hmm. Is that car dancing? Okay, Kathy. Yes. I'm going to ask you a question. Yes. It's going to reveal the hot topic for today. Okay, tell me. Name a time when you have procrastinated. Oh my God, all the time. Like this morning when I was like, oh, I want to get on a bed and take a shower and so much work. Let me just look at my phone for five more minutes, pet my dogs. Tell me more about why you were procrastinating about getting out of bed. Because I was tired, and I was, didn't feel like it. You, and you didn't want to come meet me? I, that was an incentive, for sure, which is why I did ultimately get out of bed. <laughs> Let's be real. But I was like, mm, you're my accountability partner. I was like, well, Meredith's going to be there, so I really have to get my ass out of bed. <laughs> I don't want to be late. Like, there right. was part of me that felt responsible. I was like, okay, I'll get out of bed. But I definitely had a lot of, there was not a lot of inertia helping me along the way. For sure. Because it's Sunday, we recorded all day yesterday, didn't sleep very well last night, right, right blah, 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 all the things. So, so that's, lots of negative emotions. And that, my friend, is our topic for today. We're going to talk about procrastination. You know, what is it? Why, Why do teens do it? Why do humans do it? Why do humans do it? But, Let's you know, we should probably confine it. I mean, we will. I mean, we all, I mean, that's everybody, one of the net takeaways. Pro- teens don't procrastinate it. for different reasons than adults do. Correct. Yes. Correct. But it shows up in different ways, I think. Yeah. I think it can show up in different ways. Sure. And what to do about it. So let's just define procrastination. Hmm. I sort of define it as sort of intentional delaying or putting off of a task, even when I know it's going to have some negative consequences. I think of procrastination simply as a coping mechanism for uncomfortable feelings. Also that. Yeah, but I think the act of procrastinating is this sort of purposeful delaying, this purposeful avoidance. It's avoidance. And often it's, it's avoidance. because 100%. we are uncomfortable with something, we're anxious about something. It brings up a negative emotion. Right. You procrastinate, I, I procrastinate, we procrastinate the silliest things, right? I procrastinate brushing my teeth because I don't like it. Yeah. I just... I don't like it. Yeah. It doesn't feel good. I don't like the way toothpaste tastes. Is that weird? I don't like minty things. <laughs> no, that's not. Well, I know that about you. Do you know that about me? I but do like, know that about you. But like, that's silly, right? That's not like a big, like, it's important to brush your teeth. But it's like, like the reason it why. It wasn't until like, you know, 2009 where I started to realize I should stop offering you gum. No, because I don't like minty <laughs> Yeah. So, but like, that's weird and silly, but it's like, I just don't like the way toothpaste tastes. Yeah. So I probably should find another toothpaste. Help me brush my teeth with toothpaste. Or I wouldn't procrastinate brushing with... You know what I procrastinated? What I, I was trying to think, what was I, What have I most procrastinated on lately? Okay. Cleaning. I was procrastinating on cleaning. Oh, sure. My, it's so yucky. Uh, 
Well, and I have this, my shower has tile, and I like, I You're bought this, the grout and yeah, anything. I bought this grout cleaner specifically for it. Yeah, get scrubbing. So I have the right implement now, but I'm still not using it because I'm like, oh, no, because it's tedious, you know, yeah, sweaty, it's dirty. stinky. Yeah, it's the whole, the my hair looks nice right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to look nice by the end. Right. And the point, I mean, I mean, we can procrastinate big things, right? Like we could procrastinate oh, yeah. doing our taxes, like real consequences for that right Tax, report for work. <laughs> right like there's also so, so procrastination looks i mean there could be small simple things that are procrastinating and actually big important tasks that were what are some of the most common things we see teens procrastinate on well <laughs> parents i'm sure you would not be surprised to hear that <laughs> teens procrastinate on a daily basis when they come home from school and don't start their homework i wonder how many <laughs> How many parents who are listening to this episode, when they heard me ask that question, just like shouted into the like car or the whatever, like everything, <laughs> everything, <laughs> anything I ask them to do, taking out the trash, doing their chores, brushing their teeth, <laughs> getting oh, ready for thing. bed. Homework, homework is a homework huge is one. A I mean, that's the one we're one. battling most of the time. Homework. Because you know why, y'all? Homework is hella boring. <laughs> it's so boring. So many kids think it's busy work. They don't get anything out of it. A lot of homework is really pointless and dumb. Right. And they don't see the value in it. And for a lot of students, that's like a real barrier, right? Like, I don't see value in this. It's really boring. It's really tedious. It takes a long time to do. I, or I don't know how to do it. That's another one. That's another one. Well, I've, I've often said that no one is better than at sniffing out hypocrisy than a teenager. And I think homework for a lot of students, first of all, there's a lot of research around how do people learn best. And one of the ways that you can ensure that learning is happening and actually integrated into long-term and short-term memory is if learning is relevant, if the content is relevant. So someone doing a bunch of like practice geometry proofs as homework is really, frankly, not very relevant to a 15-year-old's day-to-day life. And so it's not that we don't understand that, but also procrastination, I think, can also be symptomatic. Sometimes it's like, this is just really boring. I don't want to do it. And we'll talk about how to intervene in those kinds of situations. But procrastination for you and I can also be an early warning sign of something else Mm -hmm. often, whether it's anxiety or big time perfectionism. I mean, procrastination gives us a lot of clues. When I see a student chronically struggling with procrastination, I'm much more curious about what else is going on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for kids who are chronic procrastinators, mm-hmm. work procrastination and I'm a recovered procrastinator. Let's be clear, I procrastinated so much that I flunked out of college. Whenever I talk to a kid, I'm like, no judgment, but let me just tell you yeah. <laughs> how yeah, bad yeah. it can get, right? It can get bad. I've been fired from jobs. I've been, I got kicked out of college, right? Because I just was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go to class. I don't want to write this paper. I don't want to because it's hard and I don't want to do it. Yeah. And, you know, I'll just put it off for as long as humanly possible. And I'm like, how many Fs can I get before there's a real consequence for me? Well, it turns out. I actually found out, right? But the problem with, the real problem with chronic procrastination is becomes a habit, Mm -hmm. becomes a coping mechanism, essentially. That's how you cope with discomfort. Your strategy is just to delay and you can become a liar. You You can become dishonest with your procrastinate, right? Because you're like, oh, let me come up with all these excuses 
and reasons why to other people that are yeah. holding me Chronic accountable. Procrastinators are not honest often. Right. Oftentimes. Teens. Oftentimes not honest. Yeah. And it actually chips away at your sense of self, self-confidence. Yeah. Right? Like you think that you can't do things. I often equate, you know, it's interesting. I'm glad you brought up that those examples of procrastination. I feel like in our work, at least in my work, mm-hmm. I encounter less sort of, I just don't want to kind of resistance and more procrastination as a coping strategy for perfectionist tendencies that have been unaddressed. So I won't turn this thing in because it's not perfect. That's interesting. You and I have different kids. Yeah. I get that I don't want two kids because the parents are like, oh, they need to talk to you. I (laughs) I am so obsessed with being perfect that That I I have a couple of kids. I don't have the sort of mental and emotional fortitude to handle that this could be not perfect. I could get some feedback about the ways that it could be improved. And that's going to be so destabilizing to me. I'm going to decompensate if I get that kind of feedback. Mm -hmm. So that's a real mental health issue. Depression also, kids who are depressed. And and what's so insidious about procrastination, if if it's more in the category that I'm talking about, is it feeds itself. And Kathy's What is universal, though, is Kathy's point that over time, when this becomes a habit, for whatever reason, the I just don't want to, it's not relevant to me, to the more kind of anxious-oriented behavior, it is very damaging to a student's Mm -hmm. self-concept. And it erodes their their resilience, and Mm -hmm. it's a lot of helplessness starts to set in, Mm -hmm. and it feeds itself. It's like this monster that feeds itself, right? I often think of it as like an addiction. cycle, yeah. Where... The kid procrastinates to get the short-term hit. There's short-term relief that comes from procrastinating. That's why why it works because our brain gets rewarded. Our our brain gets rewarded. (laughs) It's like, oh, you didn't do that thing? Good job. Yeah. Do that again. (laughs) Yeah. And so then their muscles for for execution and executive function, organization, management, self-regulation, discipline, atrophy, which affects all kinds of parts of our life. So it's it's... It's both a very human thing to procrastinate, but also something that when left sort of unattended, like, yeah, we're not talking about, we all procrastinate. Like I, you know, like I, like we gave examples today and those are sort of innocent examples. Like ultimately I have enough confidence in my abilities and in who I am to know that like, I'm going to go clean my bathroom, right? I'm going to go scrub that grout. Yeah. You're going to get out of bed and meet me on time and brush your teeth. <laughs> With toothpaste. <laughs> but that's because you and I have lived a lot more life and have had a lot more experiences. We're more resilient. And we're we more can resilient. Push through discomfort. Yep. Right. And it's really hard for teens. So so the so question hard. is, I think, for parents who come to us frustrated, it's just like one of the themes that we're going to touch on more themes this year on what we see in our coaching practice. And this is a huge theme, right? Like er, almost every parent I talk to is like, they procrastinate. Huge. This is really a problem. Last year, like we didn't find out until the third quarter that no homework had been turned in. There's a lot of stories like that. Yeah. And so like, what do you do about that as a parent? Like, how do you, why are kids procrastinators? Are they just born that way? Do they become procrastinators, right? How can you help your kid push through challenge, right? Right. So, I mean, I think that's that's really key. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) Ding, 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 right? I think that's – you just named it. I think it starts very young with any opportunity for a child to learn how to push through an uncomfortable immediate moment in Mm -hmm. the name of a higher goal, longer-term goal – 
is really important and it's self-discipline. And so it's things like, you know, when I watch really young kids and I think, you know, I put on sort of my developmental hat, I think about things like learning to wait. Mm -hmm. I think about things like learning, uh, having chores. We don't get to go play with our friend until these things are done because the practice of doing those things, apart from like that being the stuff of stuff of self-esteem, is that yes, part of life includes doing things that don't feel amazing all the time, but I have to do those things in order to get stuff that does feel amazing, like hanging out with my friends or mm-hmm. like going to the pool, right? And then if you start, so there's lots of micro moments in young, mm-hmm. early childhood that reinforce self-soothing discipline. I mean, really the stuff of executive function, Mm self-regulation and like any other skill, those need to be reinforced all the time over time. Yeah. And I would say that don't beat yourself up if you have a kid who's a procrastinator. I think it's really normal. And I think that it's, you know, a lot of parents are like, is the, were they just, did I do this? (laughs) Did I make this happen? Right. Nurture versus nature. Some of it is just temperament, right? Like some kids are more anxious and they're, they're going to develop an avoidant coping style. I think like a fact of human nature is that all humans, this is true for all humans, when we are under stress, we regress. That's true. Yes. For all humans at any stage. So like, no, it's not your fault that your kids procrastinates. No. Because when they feel a moment of stress, they're going to revert and regress to the least, what they perceive as the least painful thing in that moment. And adults do it too. We all do it. So it's it's a little bit of self-preservation that's happening as well, right? So it's human nature. And, you know, I think you're right, Meredith. I think as a parent, what you can do to help your kids, because it is about resilience. It is about building up resilience is not to rescue, not to fix, right? If something upsets them, you don't need to remove them from that situation immediately. I mean, unless they're in danger, let's be clear. Right. But it's building a window of tolerance. Right. That's, I mean, and that's, you look up that, that is a psychological term, like building up a window of tolerance for uncomfortable feelings to sort of be in the midst of uncomfortable feelings and be like, I'm okay. I'll figure this out. I don't know how yet. I'll get through it. Mm -hmm. Like I can start, maybe I won't finish. I can start, you know, like that's the stuff of resilience. Right. And that's really actually helpful language to share with your mm-hmm. kids, right? Like I say all the time to mm-hmm. my kids, you can do hard things. I believe in you. You can do it. Just do the next thing. Yeah. All you have to do is the next thing. What is the next thing? So that I think leads us to some some actual strategies. When you know your kid's procrastinating and it's frankly frustrating the hell out of you. And I think let's normalize that because <laughs> yes, so I think as adults who have to execute a lot of tasks in a day and we have to be on meetings on time and we have to get from point A to point B and we have to do that while we're talking to our parents. And it can be hard to understand, like literally understand, like why can't you just turn in this one worksheet? I will, like you want to murder your child. Like we get it. Because it actually doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know, it's not logical, right? It's emotional. So it's not logical. So what are some strategies that we use that we see being um, effective? Yeah, because by the time we get kids, we're not working with little kids. We're working with teenagers. Yep. And those habits are pretty ingrained. If they're... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those <laughs> procrastination habits. So we really... They're like... In there. <laughs> they're really... It's a habit. It's just what they do. They It's not even... It's automatic in some ways, right? That's right. And so we have to really like 
real things back. Yeah, yeah. Like we have to we have to turn back the wheels of time, and it's really hard. It's not easy. I'm surprised you didn't sing some share right there. <laughs> if I could turn back time, I knew it was okay. going. I do it. I do it. No problem. So we have to help kids unlearn this, right? This habit. And it's really hard. It takes time. Let's be clear. It doesn't happen overnight. We're not magicians. And it requires a willing participant. That's number one. Yeah. We cannot make a child (laughs) stop procrastinating. They have to be curious enough. They have to start recognizing that the costs are starting to outweigh the benefits. That's right. They have to decide that this doesn't work for me. Actually, doesn't make me feel good. And usually they get there. They Usually they can access that. They're like, I feel shitty. This makes me feel bad when I don't do the thing I'm supposed to do. Which is right? why I think it's important not to guilt and shame children when yes. they're procrastinating because I promise you if they've been doing this for a long time, they're not dumb. They know that it doesn't serve them and they feel a lot of guilt and shame around it already. Oh, yes. I was feel I was like doing everything I could to like feel less guilty and less shame around my behavior and all I kept doing it was digging myself in a deeper hole. That's right. That's the vicious cycle. Right. And I was just like, it's so bad. I had to make a choice. Like this does not work. This is not working. I got to do something different. And that's one step one for me when I'm coaching a procrastinator. It's really just being like, let's talk about how this actually makes you feel. Let's look at the bigger picture. What impact does this have on your life? Do you think in the long run? Why do you think this needs to change? I love the open-ended questions. I mean, we're you and I are like open-ended question queens. <laughs> Can that be like on a sash? Um, okay, one of the things that Kathy and I do a lot in our meetings is we will literally bring up an image of the feelings wheel. Just yes, Google the always. feelings wheel. <laughs> always. And I, we'll start meetings that way. Okay, where are we on the feelings wheel? Google that. And and this is a good first step. Talk to your kids. Say, listen, like I know that you're procrastinating and like here's the wheel of feelings. When you are doing that, how does it feel? And let them tell you. They'll probably be pretty honest about you. And that's a very different approach than like, oh my God, like what is it going to take for you to realize that you can't just keep not turning in your math homework, right? Like that's not a helpful approach, even though it makes sense. It's logical. (laughs) But so the first thing is they need to start becoming mindful of that they're doing it and that it's harming them. Yeah. They have to be aware of the cost, right? And I often have kids write down, like, what do you think the cost is yeah. for this behavior? Make them write it down. What yeah. What is this? How is this hurting you? Mm-hmm. What is it costing you? Mm-hmm. Also ask, how do you think you would feel if you weren't procrastinating as mm-hmm. much? Yep. We're the same coach. I love it. <laughs> I'm like, I love it. We don't talk about it all the time, but it's nice you to You and I actually don't talk about it No, we don't lot, talk about it very but often. But I think it's because we know we're the same coach. <laughs> I was like, we're so the same. We're the same person. So- First and foremost, you got to get your kids on board with like, okay, I do actually want this to change. Right. Okay. I've actually thought about it. It does make me feel bad. It's not working for me. I want this to change. Yeah. I need to do something better. Okay. There's a better way. And I often tell kids my own story because I'm like, look at it. There is a better way. And what I really figured out, and just from my own experience, like I started getting little wins. I would do something that I was supposed to do and I would feel good about it. Yeah. And I was like, Wait a minute. This is this bad. what responsibility being a responsible person feels like? <laughs> like it feels great. And yeah. I actually remember in college coaching one of my younger friends, underclassmen, when I was a senior and I and she was really struggling in school. And I said I said to her, I remember Amy. I was like, "Amy, trust me. It feels so much better to be good than it is to be bad." Seriously. And that was like my big takeaway. I was like, it just feels so much better to be good. 
It's mm-hmm. so much easier, actually. Just try it. I was like, seriously, just try it. Just try to do what you need to do but on I time. Think- Little wins. So once they develop some mindfulness that it's harming them and there's some there's some motivation to change, right? Then I think where you as parents really can help them is when you have been procrastinating for a long time, it feels very you cannot just go from procrastinating a lot to never procrastinating. That's right. Not gonna work. Any kind of habit, you know, and we both have read and I think I think you've read it uh, like when really like Atomic Habits, mm-hmm. that book. And it talks about the anatomy of a habit and it talks about how to build a positive habit and also how to sort of break down and ultimately eliminate a negative habit. And the major takeaway is that that doesn't happen overnight. It's got to be broken down into discrete chunks. And where I think parents and adults in children's lives can be very helpful is helping children figure out how do I take this problem, not turning in math homework. Mm-hmm. And get an early, a, like a little win. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what is what is a way to break that problem down into tiny little benchmarks? And mm-hmm. I mean tiny. Like mm-hmm. maybe it's just starting math homework for eight minutes. We don't even finish any homework. We don't even oh, turn yeah. in on I, any homework. Maybe it's just opening the book. Yeah, literally for some of my little kids, younger little kids, kids yeah. I'm like, can we just take out the worksheet and put your name on it? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. that's it. That's it. Okay, good. That's it. So when we say little win, win and, you, you know, you'll have to calibrate to your kid. Often when I talk to parents, their concept of small and ours is very different. We mean small. Like micro. 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 That's why it's atomic habits. Tiny little tiny. habits. Tiny. And so I tell the kid, take out the worksheet. Okay, awesome. Put your name on it. I was like, yes, you did it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you think you could do one problem right now? Why don't you pick one on the sheet that you feel like you mm-hmm. could do? And the kids are like, okay, I could do one. And you know what? Once they start going, they're like, oh, this is actually not that bad because they've actually looked at it, right? Sometimes the fear of what they have to face sure. is so much greater than the reality. Well, the other thing that you just modeled is positive reinforcement for the little win. Yes. Big time. You, sometimes as parents, sometimes even as coaches, right, it's quite frustrating for us to be working with a child that we know could be doing so much more, so much better, so much faster. Yes. That's the big frustration. Why does your homework take 12 hours? Right. Why are you taking three hours? It's like (laughs) like my eyelid starts twitching. I mean, so we we experience it too. We get it. We get it. But that's really where we as adults in the in the dynamic have to summon a little bit of our own discipline to be to be positively reinforcing because people just respond better to positive reinforcement than to yep. finger wagging. Criticism. Yep, criticism. So we start with something tiny, right? That's often a great so first of all, so you actually, break down tasks. So the first step is getting your kids on board to change. Yeah. The second step is really helping them break down what they need to do into micro tasks and reinforcing, giving positive reinforcement when they do something Mm -hmm. right. And coaching them on how they can give themselves positive reinforcement, Mm -hmm. right? How do you do that independently? I tell kids, like, just be like, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Like, how can you really, again, sort of make it demonstrative? Well, because it's because you're rewarding yourself. You're trying to change that reward system from rewarding yourself for procrastinating to rewarding yourself for doing something good. So that like, I don't, I'm serious, like giving yourself being like, self five, all right. You're like whatever you need to do to be like, that was good. I did a good thing. Mm-hmm. That is a huge part of success in overcoming right. procrastination. Okay. I think normal, so that, so all of that. And then I think the other thing I would add is that can help is to really examine just the environment 
where this procrastination is most happening. So is it the case that, let's say the kid's not turning in homework, and part of it is because they're in their room and there's just like a lot of juicy distraction in their room? So yeah, limit distractions, limit, dist- minimize distractions, create an environment, a physical environment that promotes success, success, right? And so Help that them. means yeah. they can't really do homework in their room because it's just like not, or like that time of day is not a good time of day for them to be working on this problem or whatever. Or even like a lot of times we'll say like kids should work in a public space, but you know, a lot of kids have come to me, especially my kids with ADHD. That's hard for them. That's yeah. very hard for them. They're like, it's so distracting because my siblings are walking to the kitchen mm-hmm. to get a snack mm-hmm. and my dog is walking around and their collars jangling. Like, you know, there's... Mm-hmm. Real distractions. So I would honor, I would try to honor some of what's going on for your kid too and find a compromise. Like, okay, maybe your room doesn't work, but maybe you can work in my office next to me or in a desk across. You know what I'm saying? Well, I think the point is ask questions. Like be curious and help them come up with solutions. You know, on, so ask the open-ended question and then reward that. When they say, actually, mom, like it's not going to be helpful for me to work at the kitchen island table because of X, Y, and Z. But actually, maybe I'll take my work outside in the backyard, or I think I would like to stay in my room, but I agree with you that I should probably have my iPad and my phone not in my room at the same time. The door will be open. And the door will be open. Whatever the thing is. Compromise. And then compliment them on thinking for themselves. Okay. And then I think treat it like an experiment. Well, let's examine. Like, let's do this for for a a couple of days. We are the same person. And then let's, how about, you know, it's a Wednesday. How about we do this for a couple of days and then maybe on Saturday we talk about it and you tell me what you thought worked well, what didn't work well, and what adjustments, if any, do we need to make? Yeah, and as you're saying that, I also feel like a lot of parents who come to us, they've come to us because the relationship has gotten so contentious. Like you can't even have that conversation anymore, right? right? Because there's been way too much arguing and fighting. That's true. That you can't, you can't have that kind of measured, calm, like, let's come together and collaborate <laughs> meeting, right? At this point, your kid's like, F you, stay out of my business. I'm sick of you telling me what to do. And the parents are yeah. like, fine, I don't care. Do whatever you want. So we get that. And that that peaceful conversation may not always, in which case you should call us. But sometimes having another outside person working with your kid on these skills can, help. can be helpful. And there are lots of executive function coaches out there that you can find to work with your kids and some tutors can are capable of doing this type of work as well. So anyways, I understand. But can we stay there? Because yeah. I think that that's an important point. Do you want to turn your light back on your light? Can oh, you my light did. Mm, thank you. How else will we look youthful? Mm. Exactly. You always look youthful. <laughs> let's talk about that because I think that's a harder, you know, what we're describing is sort of an ideal scenario, right? But let's talk about the scenario where there's been high conflict. Mm-hmm. So I think first we need to acknowledge that your relationship with your child has been negatively impacted. Like there needs to be some honesty about this is a negative interaction. Mm -hmm. This is not making our relationship better or stronger for me, for them. And so there needs to be some tending to that. So yes, well, I think it's important to like address the problem and often someone like me or Kathy, a sort of a third party can, can sort of, sometimes kids will just listen to us. More. Because we're not Because we're not, we don't, we're not you. <laughs> you. Yeah. It's not fair and it's not right. And we can say the exact same thing, but it's just, it's truth of adolescence, right? Yeah. But there still needs to be some work on that relationship repair. Oh, for sure. So I think that's a good moment. And developing trust again. I think that's a Building big part Building trust. Of it. So I yeah. think if you're hearing this and you're sort of in that place, I think this is where we would say, parents, like, how could you talk about that the fact that there has been a lot of conflict around this issue not avoid talking about the conflict but yeah say, listen hey 
you're going to be working with this person. And I'm just thinking about all the times you and I have argued about this topic and feeling really sad that that's been how we've interacted around this well, that's topic. that's been the majority of you our know? interactions and has been about this. I would really like to see that shift, and I would really like us to have fun together mm-hmm. and you repair it, right? Like, I do think reset. that's that's important. Yeah, reset. Yep, reset. So another tool that I use a lot with kids is, especially ones who are not so aware of time. I don't know if you have this kid. Do you know what I'm talking about? The kids were like, I don't know. I just completely lost track of time. And I started doing this thing and I didn't even realize it took me, I was doing it for two hours. Yeah. I have like a lot of like time blindness and I, it might be a, a, a hyper focus. It's not a hyper focus thing. It's okay. a time blindness. It's like ADHD related. That's what I, was wondering. I think yeah. it's like a time blindness. Like it can be hyper focus, but sometimes yeah. it's just like, I just, I'm not aware. Some people are like, I can, if you ask me what time it is, I'm usually like pretty close. Yeah. And yeah. there's some people who are just like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it could be. Totally. Is it 10 p.m.? Is it 1 a.m.? I have no idea, right? So I have some kids like that, especially around their homework. And so we use the Pomodoro method a lot. Mm-hmm. And Pomodoro simply use it's called the Pomodoro method because of those little tomato kitchen timers. But, you know, it's time blocking. Yeah. And so what I tell kids is just time block. Set a timer for the amount of time that you can tolerate doing a task. It can be five minutes. I'm okay with that. Right? Pomodoro is like typically 30 minutes, like focus working for 30 minutes. But if a kid is starting out again, small, small, I'm totally happy. Set a timer for five minutes for some, a task that you really don't want to do and just do it for five minutes and then go, yes, I did it for five minutes. And then you get to to take a little one minute break, (sighs) whatever, and then reset the timer and do something else for five minutes and then go back to the hard task for five minutes. So this toggling, right? And helping kids come up with ways that they can start tolerating more of this thing that is, it feels intolerable. And actually buy a physical timer. You can get them on Amazon. It doesn't have to be on their phone. I actually think (laughs) I would sort of make the argument that it's better if it's not on their phone. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just the phone is too tempting for other things. Yeah. There's actually these cool focus apps that some of my kids use where you like, the longer you don't touch your phone, you actually grow a tree. And then the more you don't look at your phone, the tree grows and grows. But the second you touch the phone, your tree dies. <laughs> so that gamifying, right? Yeah, yeah. Like gamifying, yeah, gamifying is, is great. That kind gamifying of stuff. is a great strategy. <laughs> Especially with younger kids, I feel like that's better. Yeah, they're like, like oh, school. I don't want my tree to die. I don't want my, I've, to, I've used it before and I'm like, oh, I don't want my tree to die. It's like what a Tamaguchi. It's a Tamaguchi. <gasps> you know what I mean? Remember That's the Tamaguchi? You're like, oh, it's my little electronic yeah. bed. I don't They're want back. to die. They have people, kids use those. Definitely around. It's interesting. It's called something. It's called um, We'll put put a link to it. Yeah, we'll put in notes. But anyways, there's the fun apps like that. But the timer bit really is a good little tool. It's a good momentum builder because most kids can be like, oh, I can do five minutes. Like I can tolerate that. And then they start to feel like, oh, like I can do six minutes or maybe I can do eight minutes. Right. It, Mm -hmm. It does help build momentum. Some of this also, I think one thing you kind of briefly mentioned earlier that is bears repeating is, again, it's about asking questions and being curious because I know that sometimes when I run into students who are procrastinating, they're procrastinating because they feel pretty daunted by the academic material. They really don't get it. And they're self-conscious about that because they might exist in a classroom space where they feel like everyone does get it. Or I don't want my teacher to think I'm stupid, so I don't want to ask the question They don't want to ask questions to their teacher, or they feel like their teacher goes too fast, or they think their teacher's mean. Now, 
Whether or not that any of that is actually true doesn't really matter because the perception is driving behavior. And so ask questions about, like, especially if you're noticing a kid, if you have a kid who doesn't universally procrastinate across all things all the time, but it, you're noticing it's happening more in these discrete subjects or these discrete areas, mm-hmm. ask a lot of questions because to me that often can indicate like they're just not something, they're feeling overwhelmed and then therefore they may just need a little bit more support. They either might need a little bit more tutoring to just like get the concepts Or they might need more study skills. Like, for example, I had a student where we were kind of in this, like, they weren't doing well in a lot of their classes, and I couldn't quite figure out why. And then finally, I was like, can you just open your backpack and take out your notebooks and, like, literally hold it up to the screen so I can see what the heck you're doing in class? Like, Mm -hmm. and I started realizing, I was like, who taught you how to take notes? I was like, how do you take notes? Like, describe that process to me. And it was pretty not effective. And so, <laughs> so then, good. but it gave rise to this whole conversation about, okay, here are like four different ways to take notes. Try and true ways to take notes. Which one feels like a good strategy for you? What style do you think you would like to take notes in? Okay, let's try that. Let's pick this one. Okay, let's try it for a week. And on the week from now, when I see you again, like we're going to revisit how that went, right? Mm-hmm. This kid just didn't know when to tell her how to take good notes. Yep. And she just was like flailing at the deep end of the pool. Like, I don't know, I'm going to write. She was trying to write everything down. Mm-hmm. She was falling behind. She wasn't able to actually listen. So sometimes it's just that too. Yeah, I think that brings up a good point. It's something that I do with a lot of my kids. It's, you can look it up. It's whoop. It's oh, a yeah, whoop yeah. or, or it's it's kind of based on hope theory. It's just yeah. something I learned in grad school, but it, it's this idea. Right. And, and part of the whoop is just like, what do you want the outcome to be? And what's getting in the way? Like, what are the obstacles? Right. Let's identify them. And let's identify solutions. Like when you hit this obstacle, what is something that you can do? Anticipate challenge. Right. And that actually, get, it's called hope theory because a, kid, a lot of times kids feel hopeless because they don't know how to fix the problem. Right. They're like, I don't understand the math. I can't do it. Right. So I'm obviously just not going to because right. like, there's no possible alternative. Right. If you don't right. understand it, you don't understand it. And so right. imagine, and so that's a moment of empathy for kids. Like, and then if they come to you and say, I don't understand it. Well, why aren't you talking to your teacher? Well, they don't know what to say. They so don't many know. kids come to us when we say, go to office hours or go, go to the, what would I say? What would, what how I do say? I ask? How do I ask? How do I say that? I don't understand that we're yeah. in chapter 11 and like, I haven't understood the last five chapters. Exactly. How do I say like, that? Like, exactly. <laughs> this is real, right? Like kids are like, I don't know what question to ask because I have no freaking idea what we're doing. To ask a question <laughs> would require some semblance of understanding. understanding. And, then and I've happens. been there, okay? Like I know exactly what too. that feels like. Like I have no, I don't know where And unfortunately, are. you know, and sometimes, <laughs> sometimes our little babies that we work with have actually tried <laughs> and they get not the best response from teachers. And I have, yeah. I used to, when I was in a, a school setting and there was this teacher who was notorious for this, she would come in and she'd be so frustrated that these kids were not doing well in our class and that they would come see her and they'd like, and she would say to me, well, they just, they don't have any questions. They've come in and they're not asking me anything. And I have to say to her. Well, it's like, and I've the, already taught the class. And I've already taught yeah. the class and now I have to teach <laughs> it again. again. And I'm like, <laughs> so and I have to say to this woman, well, it's not working. I said, whatever you're doing isn't working because like half of your class, I didn't have to say that, but that's what I wanted to say. I wanted to say, well, maybe you need to think about how you're teaching. But I said to her, they're lost. They don't understand any of the material. And so they are 
desperate to understand. They don't know enough to know what questions to ask. Yep. And now they've just had this experience of putting their little hearts out there, trying to be courageous and going to see you. And you just like got pissed at them because they didn't have questions ready. Yeah. And I think that's huge. Like it's such a huge lesson because kids' self-concept about themselves, like who they are as a student, how intelligent they are, how capable they are, they really are looking to adults for feedback. For feedback. Right? I'm smart. I'm good. I can can do it it. Yeah, I can. So they really need that. And even if you can't control the teachers, right? Right, right? But you can control your own reaction to when your kids come to you and they're lost and they don't know what's going on. You create a space in which it is safe to come and say that I actually don't know how to do this. Yeah, and create that safe space. And like a lot of times, especially younger kids, I don't want to. Sometimes the, their frustration with the situation or themselves will show up as kind of like a fit, like a tantrum. Oh, like, yes. Like crying. Frustration. Frustra- yeah. Like just yep. really, really, really frustrated and frustrating behavior. Try, and I know this is a big ask, to meet that with a lot of compassion. And in that moment, what they really need is first, they need to self-regulate. They need your help in helping them soothe and come back to like a better equilibrium so they can actually we can't tackle problems well when we're all dysregulated mm-hmm. and funky then help them think of questions help them you know like okay well since when have you felt like you didn't understand the material okay like what time of the year right okay well let's like let's go to that point right all right well what could be an email maybe it's because you're afraid to talk to them in person we could send them an email first to sort of tee it up okay, let's talk about how we might draft that email, right? Okay, Mm -hmm. let's just take the next five minutes to just sort of jot down some notes. Okay, let's go outside for a walk now, right? That's called also habit stacking, where you take this sort of distasteful and trying to break a habit, something that's distasteful, do it right before you do something really good, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, yes. Or do something that you like while you're doing the thing. That's why I like, I try not to give my kids such a hard time about listening to music while they do homework. I asked them, I was like, can you listen to music without words, please? But if that helps boost your mood, if mm-hmm. that helps you give you a little energy to like tackle this hard thing that you have to do, mm-hmm. that can often help, mm-hmm. right? Like you don't like to do dishes, but you love podcasts, like listen to podcasts while you're doing dishes, Yeah, because right? like we all podcast. do that. We all like, we all bargain with ourselves, right? right? Okay, yeah. I'm going to clean the grout in my stupid bathroom, but then afterwards I'm going to do something fun. I'm going to get boba afterwards and it's going to be delicious. Yeah. You're not supposed to reward yourself with food. Okay. I learned that and I was like, okay, fine. I mean, I do reward myself with food. So I. A lot. But I heard that you're not supposed to do that. Anyway, hopefully, (laughs) this episode has one, normalized that we all procrastinate. Yes. And helped give you some ideas for how to talk to your child about it in ways that can encourage their own self awareness Mm -hmm. and, you know, some practical, concrete strategies to try. But as always, we're here if you need us. So reach ask out her, to us. Yeah, ask, ask questions. questions. It's not an easy problem to it, solve. It's not as easy as doing going one, two, three, four. You kind of have to go to one and then you should go four. Like yeah, right. It, there's going to be mistakes. Normalize those. There's going to be setbacks. That's okay. It doesn't mean you're not making net progress. That's huge. We want to look for net progress, but it's it might look like, like up and down. Right. And you could be like, oh my God, they did so great this week. And then the next week they didn't turn anything in. That is normal. Very don't, normal. Don't freak out about it. It's okay. It's Yeah. But normal. Yep. But they'll get there. And you're not alone, parents. I mean, literally, I think aside from... This is probably the issue we spend the most time the on. Most and we time. see the most. Yeah. Anyway, thanks so much for listening. And we'll see you next time.